We just want to uh, give a very warm welcome, Pastor Colin and Carolina here. And uh, you know, we, we, we have an expectancy uh, this morning, don't we? Are you ready to receive from and a general, God's general, an apostle, someone that's going to actually bring something unique for you, but also unique for the church. I believe that we're in a season this year, as we've just finished the three weeks of uh, praying and fasting, uh, of being on the verge of something new as a church. Well, that takes faith. Because when you hear the word, you have to mix it with faith. So let's receive Pastor Colin uh, for what he is. He's a man mightily anointed, but God's going to speak. Pastor Colin. Can you, just, can you just move that down? It's great to be with you again. Are you expecting to hear from God? Yes. That's good, because I've brought a word from God for you. So are you ready? Yes. Now, in church life, especially in a church like this, you will hear quite a lot, I trust, about faith and about your life of faith and relationship with the Lord being a relationship of faith. You hear a lot about love and our love for God and our need to love one another. That's good. But Paul said there are three things that remain, faith, hope, and love. And sometimes hope seems like the poor sister, that we focus so much on faith and love, that we speak very little about hope and perhaps don't even understand what it means to have hope and why Paul is so insistent that this is one of the three things that's going to remain eternally. So we need faith because through faith that gives us eternal life through all that Jesus has done for us, that love which is eternal, that love for uh, God's love for us will never cease. So what about this hope? What is this hope all about? And if we, if we get hold of the revelation of hope, it will transform your whole walk with God. That's what can happen as a result of this message this morning. Okay, now let's first of all say what hope is not. Because hope in the Bible is totally different from the way in which hope is used normally in conversation in the world. Now, people might say, I hope it's going to be a nice day tomorrow meaning that they would like it to be a nice day tomorrow, but they live in Manchester, so that's far from certain, especially as it's a nice day today, to have two nice days in a row would really be pushing it. So, you know, and we hope for certain things. You know, somebody might say, I hope that God will heal me if they're sick. Hope, of course, is not faith. And when it comes to healing, God honors our faith, not our hope. But we'll come to that a little bit later. Uh, we hope, meaning in, in normal conversation, that this is what we would like, but we're not sure about it. Now, in Scripture, hope is entirely different from that because there's no question mark with hope. We can be sure of what we hope for. But the difference between faith and hope is this. Hope relates to the future. Faith relates to the present. Yes. So you see, if, if I need to be healed, for example, I need something to happen in the present, not in the future. Are we there? Yeah. Yeah. So hope relates to what is going to happen in the future. Let me read for you 
There's lots and lots about hope in the, in, in the scriptures, both Old Testament and New Testament. Let me just read uh, a verse from Romans 15. Paul says this, So I pray that this God of hope, who keeps us looking expectantly to the future, will fill you with his joy and peace as you continue to live by faith in him. May the, may the power of the Holy Spirit work in you in such a way that you will always overflow with hope, expecting God's best. Yes. Now, that's the heart of hope in Scripture, that you look to the future with expectation, expecting God's best. Mm. Because of his love for you, he always wants you to have the best. Right, now, um, we're going to have a, just a, a little bit of a dramatic presentation so that you can really understand what hope is all about. Now, here is your past life. Who knows that your past is behind you? Yes. And that's where you need to keep it, right? It's finished. It's, even yesterday is history. Yes. What matters is what happens today. So, this uh, table here represents where you are today. And here we have the future. So, between this point where I am today and this point here where we will meet with the Lord face to face, there will come the time when we will come before the judgment seat of Jesus Christ, and then there is all eternity with him yes. beyond that. Yes. So what we're concerned about today is the journey from this point where we are now to this place where we will meet with Jesus and have to give account to him for our stewardship, for the way we have lived our lives here on earth. Because everything that happens here is a preparation for all eternity. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll uh, come to understand what that means. But we have to understand that uh, on the Day of Judgment, two things are going to happen. First of all, you're, the completion of the whole process of your salvation will take place. According to Scripture, salvation is a process. Mm -hmm. You have been saved, you are being saved, and working out your salvation with fear and trembling. And on the Day of Judgment, you will be saved. Yes, yes. But, the other thing that will happen is your reward will be determined. Jesus says on a number of occasions that at that time, each person will be rewarded according to what he has done. We won't all have the same status in heaven in eternity. Jesus talks about the greatest in the kingdom and the least in the kingdom. He talks about some people being saved, but only as through fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that means. We'll come to see what it means a little later. So, these two things are going to happen when you come before the Lord and meet him face to face. You have the salvation. I trust it won't be salvation only as through fire. Uh, but also, God will you will see what your reward will be. And it's not that, that God is sort of marking you as you go along, but you will see that he will treat you with absolute perfect justice. Yeah. That everything he determines for you, say, yeah, that's absolutely right. You give me the salvation because of what Jesus deserves, and you give me the reward according to what I deserve. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You're perfectly just in both those things. Yeah. 
The sad thing is that there are a lot of people who don't understand reward because um, they think that that's going against, speaking against salvation. But both things are very scriptural. Jesus talked about reward all the time. When you pray, go into the secret place, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward. reward you. You see, when you give, don't let one hand know what the other one doing. Just give in secret, because those who give in secret, the Lord will openly reward. reward. You see, he's talking about it all the time. So, <clears throat> What's going to happen between this point and that time when we, we actually come to the judgment? Because we don't want to live in fear of judgment, do we? If we're people of faith, God has taken away from us any fear of the judgment. We have passed from death to life already. Amen? So this in Scripture is a walk. We are walking with the Lord. We are in Christ. He is in us. But we are living in relationship with him by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Bible talks about this walk in many, many different ways. We can't possibly talk about all of them now. In Isaiah, it's called a highway a way of holiness. So it's good that we're sort of lifted up a little bit here on the platform. It's a bit of a small platform. I hope you'll have a longer walk than the platform. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's the highway of holiness. Now, we don't need to be afraid of this word holiness, as we'll see in a moment. Jesus calls it the narrow way. And he says that he is the gate... Now, you see, there's not much room between this and the platform, this table and the platform. Why? Because we've actually passed through the narrow way, the, the narrow gate, onto the narrow way. Now, Jesus says there is a broad path that leads to destruction. But there is the narrow way that leads to life. Jesus isn't on the broad path that leads to destruction. He's only on the narrow way. So if we're going to walk with him and live with him, we keep to the narrow way. Yeah. Now, what God has already done is to pour his love into our hearts and Part of the job, if you like, of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, what he wants to do is to keep us walking in the narrow way. Now, Jesus says a lot of interesting things uh, about the Holy Spirit, especially at the, at the Last Supper. And one of the things that he says is that the Holy Spirit never speaks from himself. The Holy Spirit never decides what to say to you. He speaks only what he hears. So where is the Father? Well, you know, we're just using this as illustration. Here is the Father in heaven, the throne of God. The whole of heaven is the throne of God. It's not just a chair. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool, the scripture says. So he is enthroned in heaven and Jesus is enthroned with him. Yeah. Yes? So here you are. You've come through the narrow gate. You're on the narrow way. And you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Everything that the Holy Spirit says to you has originated from the Father and the Son in the throne room of heaven. Yes. Yeah. So it's like the Father uh, is giving, if you like, directions to the Holy Spirit as to what to say to you. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have listened to what the Spirit of God is saying, you're actually listening to the voice of heaven. Yeah. 
You're listening to the voice of the Father, you're listening to the voice of the Son, because they are never in disagreement. That's right. The Holy Spirit would never say anything to you that does not agree with what the Father and the Son say. This is how you know the way to test whether you're really listening to the Holy Spirit or not is by the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit can never speak anything to you that is at odds with the Word of God. It would never be the Holy Spirit telling you to ignore the Word of God. There's all kinds of crazy teaching around where some people say, oh, we don't need this and that and the other because we're already saved. Well, that is not the Holy Spirit, let me tell you. The Holy Spirit... Jesus says, brings the Word of God, reminds us of everything that Jesus says. Doesn't say we don't need what Jesus said because we're already saved. That's absolute deception. So, here we are on the narrow way. We have the Holy Spirit. And so everything that the Holy Spirit is doing comes from the Father. Now, what does he want to do? He is encouraging you He wants you to keep to that narrow way, walking with Jesus, with the Spirit of Jesus. He wants to bring you right through to the fulfillment of his purpose. Now the sad thing is, and Jesus makes this clear, that there are a lot of people that start on the way but don't finish. You see, the devil, he's not up here. He's down where you are. <laughs> I mean, in terms of this illustration. He is, he is uh, uh, he, he's the prince of this world, isn't he? He's the prince of darkness, yes? Up here, this is the way of light. And we walk in the light as the children of light. So... He, he, he can't get up here. Uh, if you look at Isaiah 35, it's clear that uh, the devil and the demons can't get up on this yes. narrow way. They have been expelled from heaven. They can't get into heaven. They can't even be on this narrow way. So, so long as we keep to this narrow way, we're safe. Yeah. Any believers here? Yeah. Yeah. Good. So we're safe. So all he can do is snarl at us, prowl around like a lion, looking for someone to devour. Who is he going to devour? Anybody that gets off the narrow way. So we have to walk on this narrow way, but in the face of all the temptations of the world, down there the world says, hey, Never mind about that. Look at all these enticements. Look at all that the world can give you. And you say, no, 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 no. God hasn't called me to live like that. He's called me to live the life of the kingdom of God in the world. I don't live as the world lives. I live the life of the kingdom in the world. Are you at the same meeting that I'm at? Okay. So the world is trying to get you off this. Uh, your own flesh. You know, you have certain desires, uh, natural desires that are not really what God wants. You wouldn't say they are holy desires. Uh huh. They're the sort of things that you wouldn't want to see G- Jesus see you doing. Hmm? Or are you so holy you never have those desires or <laughs> you never have those thoughts? Hello? I live in the real world. I don't know which world you're living in, but uh, we have to deny ourselves in order to follow him. That's what Jesus says. We've got to deny those desires. We, we can still have those desires. You know, it's, temptation is not a sin. Giving into it is the sin. Even Jesus was tempted, but he never sinned because he never gave in to the temptation. So there's the world, the flesh, and the devil. The devil says, come on, I can offer you all kinds of enticements, but you're going to have to compromise your walk on the way to have what I'm offering you. So we say no to the worldliness. We say no to the flesh. We say no to the devil because we want to keep walking on the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
Amen? Amen. Now, while we keep walking on the way, this is the way of peace. We have peace with God, peace with ourselves, actually have peace with others. It's the way of joy, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, and here we rejoice always, because there's nothing happening here that is going to steal our joy. There may be all kinds of problems and things we have to face, as we'll see in a moment, but none of them will steal our joy. Nobody can snatch us from the Lord's hands. Yes. Oh, we can choose to walk out of his hands, but nobody can snatch us out of his hands if we choose to stay on this way with him so that we come to the fulfillment of our hope. See, here is your hope. Your hope is that the Holy Spirit is going to bring you right the way through to this place. Yeah. So, let me just read you one or two more scriptures, you see, about this, this walk. Because if it's the highway of holiness, it's a holy walk. Now, I said we needn't be afraid uh, of this word holy. Listen, uh, Paul, when he's writing to the church in Corinth, he's writing to just about the worst possible church. I mean, every conceivable problem was going on in that church. But instead of ripping them off and taking them off and telling them off, he begins by reminding them who they are. He says um, to God's church in Corinth, to those who have been made holy in Christ Jesus. And he says to all those everywhere, including Manchester. So you have been made holy. That's right. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? How, how has that worked? Because you probably don't feel holy, and from where I stand, you don't look holy. <laughs> but the, the scripture says that you are holy. Right? Now, <clears throat> the word holy means to be set apart for God. Anything that is holy or anyone that is holy has been set apart for God. <coughs> Excuse me. So God called you. God chose you. Mm -hmm. Somehow you heard the revelation of the gospel. Somehow you came to repentance. You asked God to forgive your sins. You gave your life over entirely to God. At that moment, what you were doing, whether you realized it or not, God was making you holy, and because you gave yourself to him, he said, right, now you are someone that is set apart for me. And because you're set apart for me, you're set apart for this life, for this walk here on earth, and then you're set apart to enjoy me and for me to enjoy you for all eternity. So, he made you holy right from the start. So, you see, when you get up in the morning, what's your starting point? Well, a saint has just touched the floor with his feet or her feet. Because someone who is holy is a saint. Amen? I'm Saint Colin and you're Saint whoever you are. Praise the Lord. The Pope doesn't have to make you a saint because Jesus has already made you one. You might not have a saint's day named after you and people worship you, but that's a good thing. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you see, so you, you have been made holy. Uh, let me just read a bit more. Since he has made you holy, he has called you to be holy. Well, that's reasonable, isn't it? If God has set you apart, he wants you to live a life that is set apart for him. That's what it means to live a holy life, set apart for him. Well, how do you live a life set apart for him? You walk on the narrow way. Any believers here? Okay. So since he has made you holy, you are called to be holy, together with all the other believers in every place, those who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, for he is their Lord and ours also. This is the truth version. Hallelujah. I thought I'd just use the best version this morning. Uh, So, 
then he, he says a little later on, but look what Christ has done for you. Now you have been washed of your sins and have been made holy before God, fully accepted by him because you belong to the Lord Jesus Christ and have received God's spirit. Yeah. It's wonderful, isn't it? Uh, this is because he chose us, this is to Ephesians, he chose us before he created the world to belong to Christ, to be made holy and blameless in his sight. Because of his amazing love, he decided that we should be adopted as his sons when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. This was his purpose and even his joy. So he's made you a holy child, he's made you a saint. Uh, that doesn't mean you're going to be holy in everything you do. It means that's what God wants, but you're not going to make it because you know yourself too well. So let's go back to something else that Paul said uh, about hope. When, when he talks about faith, hope, and love, these three abiding, just before that he says this, Yet still I can see myself only as a poor reflection in a mirror compared with what God intends me to be. But when I see him face to face, I shall be like him. Now I can only partially understand myself, but then I shall know God fully and will see how complete is his knowledge of me. Yeah. You see, so... Paul, even the great Paul who wrote a third of the New Testament, he says, well, when I look at myself, I see I'm such a poor reflection of Jesus, really. I might be holy, I might be set apart, I, I might be walking on this narrow way with him, on this highway of holiness, but really when I look at myself, it's, oh, I'm so weak, I'm so useless, I seem to fail so often. Anybody know what I'm talking about here? <laughs> But you see, despite that, God here is speaking into our lives by the Holy Spirit, saying, come on, come on, come on. Yeah. Come on, every step, every step is going to take you nearer and nearer towards the fulfillment of my purpose for you. So the Holy Spirit is, is living in you, so the Father is using the, the voice of the Holy Spirit to encourage you, saying, come on, you can do it. Oh, if you fail, that's okay. I'll pick you up, dust you down, and we'll move ahead further in my purposes for you. Right, now, <clears throat> we've seen that there's these temptations of the world, the flesh, and the devil. It would be so easy, wouldn't it, if we had to walk on this way without any distractions. Now, there should be no side turnings. But unfortunately, because of our weakness and our fallibility, there are some side turnings. Every one of them is a cul-de-sac, a no-through road. And if you deviate from this narrow way, you go down a cul-de-sac. Sooner or later, you're going to come up against a brick wall. There's only one way out of a cul-de-sac, and that's the way you came in. So what do you do? You have to turn around, and in Scripture, that's what? That's repentance. You have to repent of going down the cul-de-sac. You turn around and you have to go back to the narrow way. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Okay, now let me just talk about some of the most common cul-de-sac, <laughs> which I think is the correct plural. But it sounds horrible, doesn't it? So let, let's just see what some of the more important no-through roads are. I'll, I'll talk about the worst of them. I wonder what you think the worst of them is. The worst of them is to judge others. Now, I know that nobody in this congregation would ever judge anybody else. 
But because you live in a world where lots of people do judge, you need to know how to help all the other people that judge. <laughs> so that's why we'll just spend a little bit of time on this one. Now, what you need to understand, the Lord said to me a, a few weeks ago, because I'm always impressing this upon people, you don't touch, you don't judge. God said to me, every time a believer judges one sin in another person, he commits seven sins himself. So his fault is seven times worse than the sin he is criticizing in someone else. You wanted to hear that, didn't you? Now you'd like to know what those seven things are. Shall I tell you? Right, first and foremost, you have disobeyed God's word, therefore you've disobeyed Jesus. Secondly, you failed to be merciful, and God says be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful. You failed to have compassion, and when for example, the woman was caught in adultery, that was a pretty bad one. He had compassion on her rather than judged her. You have disobeyed his command not to judge. You have disobeyed his command not to uh, condemn. You have disobeyed his command to uh, restore the person rather than judge the person. You see how much sin is involved in just one act of judgment. I'll think of the seventh in a moment. <laughs> Are you with me? Yes. We think, you know, it's almost automatic. You see something wrong in someone else, and you think you're going to appear a little bit better if you can judge that person for being a little bit worse. And yet, when you mess up, you don't want anybody to judge you. You want to say, well, just be patient with me. You know, I'm a work in progress. I, I want you to understand. Hello. It's amazing how we want people to treat us with mercy, but we don't always treat others with mercy. Mm-hmm. So you see, it's so much sin. This is why I believe Jesus said, whenever you pray, you must forgive others. If you forgive others their sins, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive them, God will not forgive you. That's a cul-de-sac. You can't walk on the narrow way if you're not forgiving others. And you know, Scripture says, the mercies of God are new every morning. Yes? Yes? They're new every morning. Why? Because every morning we need, every day we need the mercies of God, don't we? We don't live yet in perfection, so we need God's mercy every day. But you see, God knows that what things will happen in our experience so that we will need to be merciful every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as we... As we uh, extend that mercy and that, oh, oh, the seventh thing is that we failed to love. God calls us to love, not to think. So those, those are the seven things. So <clears throat> when we judge, we have failed to love, we've failed to be merciful, we've disobeyed God, we've, we've judged, we've condemned, and so on. So we come to the point of realizing that's a cul-de-sac, that's a no-through road. And actually, when you start to judge others, you lose peace yourself. Mm, that's right. Hello? Yeah. And you lose your joy. Why? Because you're no longer on the narrow way. You, you deviated. And then God in his mercy deals with you. And he says, well, you silly nana, if you if you'd only just kept to my word, you wouldn't have gone through all that negativity. If you just forgave, as I told you, to forgive right at the very beginning, then you wouldn't have gone through all that turmoil and that lack of peace and so on. And sometimes, you see, Jesus knows you've got to keep forgiving. He says, if brother sins against you seven times on a single day and comes and asks for forgiveness, you're to forgive him. 
And you remember the question was asked, well, Lord, how often do I forgive? Uh, seven times? No, he said, you know, 70 times seven, an innumerable number. You just keep forgiving, you keep forgiving, you keep forgiving. Why? Because if you're going to walk on the narrow way, you can only be there because of God's mercy, and you only stay in God's mercy by being merciful. Are we there? Yeah. And I think you will probably find that uh, the circumstances of your life will be such that you will have plenty of opportunities to extend mercy to other people. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Praise God. And of course, the more you extend mercy to others, the more like Jesus you become. And this is the point, that you see, the end of this journey, the end of our hope, the fulfillment of our hope, is that when we see him as he is, we shall be like him, we shall be like the Lord. Praise God. But while we are on this way, we are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory. Yes? While we keep to this way, that process of ever-increasing glory is happening. We get down a cul-de-sac, and there's no glory there. We've got to turn around again and come back to where the glory is. So this is a walk in the glory of God, isn't it? Now there's lots of other cul-de-sacs. Selfishness, pride, jealousy, selfish ambition, Hmm? Manipulating others. Oh, there's innumerable things. But, of course, the Holy Spirit warns us not to take those. You know, when, you, when you're about to deviate from the narrow way, you get that, ah, 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 no! That's the Holy Spirit. But, of course, if you are self-willed, not that you would be, but you might know others who would be, you will ignore the warnings and you'll do what you want to do anyway. Now, you see, why does God want you to keep to the narrow way? Because actually, I'm going to give you a new interpretation of joy now, right? Uh, what he wants is for you to be happy. You know, we can think the, the joy of the Lord is some sort of mystical, spiritual state. What it actually means is he wants you to be happy. So when he says rejoice in the Lord always, he says be happy always. I want you to be happy always. God's always happy. Hallelujah. I mean, even what you do to him can't make him unhappy. He might not be happy with what you're doing, but he's still happy. Hallelujah. He's the Lord of joy. Yes. Amen? So uh, he knows there's no happiness down the cul-de-sac. Or the cul-de-sac or whatever it should be. There's, there's no happiness there. There's no joy there. There's no peace there. So you walk that way because you think, that's the way I want to go. And then you begin to feel uncomfortable because somehow you're no longer walking as close to Jesus. Somehow there's not the same, you know, satisfaction in your prayer life. And even your prayer life begins to suffer. And mm, if you keep in that cul-de-sac, the prayer becomes more and more unreal. Why? Because the Lord's not down that cul-de-sac with you. He's still on the narrow way. And he's saying, why don't you come back to where I am? Are we there? Yeah. So we, we, we eventually get the message, don't we? Yeah. Eventually. And we turn back and we come back. And what do we find? There he is with his mercy waiting to receive us. He doesn't judge us. He doesn't say, you stupid idiot. He doesn't say, you wicked child. He, he just says, nice to have you back. I've missed you. And if you're honest, you say, well, Lord, actually, I've missed you. That's why I'm back. Hallelujah. So now... Remember what's going to happen here on the Day of Judgment. Salvation and reward. Okay. 
There's no reward for anything that happens down the cul-de-sac. Because the Holy Spirit never led you there. And the only fruit that lasts is that which the Holy Spirit does through you. So all the rewards are what happens here on the narrow way. Now God wants you to have a great reward, the scripture says. Yes? He wants you to have the crown of life. And what he, what he makes clear is the crown of life, which means your share in his rule and reign with him eternally, that's given to all those who persevere to the end. One of the widest cul-de-sacs is the temptation of the devil. Why don't you give up? Why don't you take a rest from this God business? Why don't you stop going to church? Not very satisfying, is it, what is happening now? Why don't you just forget it? Why, why, why does he act like that? Because he will never have any salvation. He will never have any reward. Now he can't, he can't steal your salvation, but he can prevent you from having a reward. Or the great reward that God wants. So he opposes everybody in the world, not just Christians. But, you know, he, he, it, it's easy. His work is easy in those who aren't believers. But for those who are believers, his work should be very, very difficult. Because we have authority over all the power of the evil one, so nothing will harm us. Somebody say hallelujah. Uh, but we have to resist him. Resist, submit yourself to God, keep on the narrow way, resist the devil, and he'll flee. Say, no, I'm not going down any of those ways. You might, you, they might be attractive to my flesh, but they're not attractive to the spirit. And the Spirit of God lives in me. So, okay, what is going to happen here at the Day of Judgment? How will the rewards be determined? Well, the Scripture gives us the answer to that. Mm -hmm. By fire. What the scripture says is that every man's works, every person's works, will be tested by fire. And uh, there are two categories. There are the works that are described as wood, hay, and stubble. Now fire burns up all those. Those are the works you have done yourself in the natural. They're not works of the Spirit. This is not the work of the Spirit within you. This is you just doing what you wanted to do. But then there are the works of silver, gold, and precious stones. All three survive the fire. The silver and the gold will melt, but they will survive the fire. Mm -hmm. So now you can see what that scripture means when it says some will be saved, but only as through fire. They'll be saved because they put their faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So God will honor that faith, but all their works will be burnt up because they never walked on the narrow way. They thought that God existed just to 
give them whatever they wanted. They expected God to please them instead of living to please God. These are people that have used God for their own ends. I want to be blessed, I want to be healed, I want, 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 give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. They wanted to use God for their ends instead of saying, wait a minute, if I'm a holy child of God, I want him to use me for his ends. Are we getting this? Yes. So we don't want to be those that are saved but only as through fire because all our works got burnt up because they were just the works of self. We were still living to please ourselves rather than to please the Lord. You ought to be eternally grateful that you've heard this message this morning. See, because there's going to be a whole lot of people that spend a lifetime going to church and they're going to get to this point and wonder why all their works were burnt up. Because actually they were walking down all kinds of cul-de-sacs, they weren't walking on the narrow way, the Holy Spirit of God was not necessarily in control of their lives, they were not, they were not doing the works of the Spirit. See, the works of the Spirit are supernatural because the Spirit is supernatural. Yes? So you share the love of God, that's supernatural. It's not just having the kind of love that other people have, but you know, the love of God and the power of God, the healing of God, the joy of the Lord. What, whatever comes from the Holy Spirit, that is going to survive the fire. That's right. It's silver, gold, and precious stones. See, this is your hope. My hope is that I shall be saved on that great day because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. But my hope and your hope needs to be at that time, I want a great reward. Eh? Because whatever that reward is, is going to determine my eternal status in God's kingdom. I won't be able to change my status after the judgment. Yeah. It's all being determined by what I do in this life. Yeah. This life is a preparation for eternity. Yeah. Are we coming there? Right, now, we've, we've nearly finished. That's a statement of faith. Uh, but you see, why then are we walking on the narrow way? Because we want a great reward, it doesn't work like that. It does, doesn't work like that. If you are just walking on this way because you want a great reward, you actually won't be walking on the way. So, well, wait a minute, what have you been talking about then? Well, you see, Jesus said, if you love me, yes. you will keep my commands. Yes. So we walk on this way not because we want a great reward, but because we love Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And because we love Jesus, we want to fulfill his plan and his purpose for our lives, that he is our hope. Amen? He is our hope. And, and so he is going to bring us to the fulfillment of his plans because of his love for us, because we can only love because he's first loved us, but also because of our love for him. So it's love that keeps you walking on this way. But of course it's a way of faith, see? Because as you walk in love with the Lord on this way, you trust him. You don't trust in yourself, you trust him. So all these works that will be rewarded, that will survive the fire, they're the works of the love, they're the works of faith. They're the works that have come out of your relationship of love and trust in the Lord. All down these cul-de-sacs is just you doing your thing in your strength. But here, it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is the amazing thing, you see. It's the grace of God. The grace of God got you on this way. 
grace of God has given you salvation, the grace of God is going to be so operating in your life if you walk in love and you walk in, in faith that uh, by that grace he will enable you to do all those works that will be greatly rewarded. And this is the, this is the crazy thing, really, because it comes to the Day of Judgment, and God is going to reward you for all the works, not that you did, but all the works the Spirit did yeah. in you. Yeah. 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 It's like him saying, well, thank you for allowing my Spirit to work in you and to work through you and to bless and help and encourage others in the way that they have. Thank you for the way in which you've loved Thank you for the witness that you've been to others of how great my love and my truth is because walking in that truth sets people free. Are we getting this? So you see, you're walking in love, you're walking in faith, and you're fulfilling your hope. So these three things will remain forever. The faith, the love, and the hope will bring you to this point and take you through this point to your eternal destiny in God. What a Lord. So what's he saying to you this morning? Well, this message hopes you to get a true perspective on your life, on your walk with Jesus, where you are now. Some of you may be down a cul-de-sac. Well, you were when you came in this morning, but you're going to go out on the narrow way. Amen because you realize there's no future down a cul-de-sac. It's only going to end in a brick wall. And all the works down the cul-de-sac was not going to glorify the Lord, and there's not going to be any reward for them. And what does Jesus say? Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Now, he's talking about money when he says that, but there's a principle there, isn't there? that the way we live is storing up that rich reward in heaven where there's no moth, no rust, no corruption. Hallelujah. So God is going to get people out of cul-de-sacs. He's encouraging us all because the great thing is, you know, the father, he sees us going down a cul-de-sac and he's like the father in the parable of the prodigal. He doesn't go chasing after us. He just waits just waits for you to come home, waits for you to come back to the narrow way. He says, welcome back. Come on now. Come on, let's, let's walk together in love, in faith, in hope. It's amazing, isn't he? Really amazing. Because he sees all this stuff that we get into. And he says, ah, come on, come on. This is where you'll be happy. This is where you'll be fulfilled. This is where your joy will be. This is where your peace will be. This is where you'll really know what love is. This is where you'll really see the power of God at work. There's no joy there. There's no peace there. There's, there's none of God's love there. There's, 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 no, there, there's no power there. I, I do believe that God is speaking to some about this cul-de-sac of judgment. That's the worst one. That's the very worst one. You know, you might, you might know some believer that's got into, let's say, an adulterous relationship. Oh, terrible, terrible. I would never do a thing like that. You know, and you go nattering the man and say, have you heard? And you've just sinned seven times worse than the guy that committed adultery. Why? Because God doesn't judge you. He's merciful towards you. So we want to get any spirit of judgment out of our hearts, don't we? Yes, yes, yes. It doesn't belong there, eh? That's right. But only mercy, That's mercy, right. followed by mercy, yes. and yet more mercy, forgiveness, followed by oh. forgiveness, followed by forgiveness, followed oh. by forgiveness. And that enables us to live by grace, and by more grace, and yet more grace, and still more grace. 
Hallelujah. And you know, it's, it's no use saying, but Lord, look what they've done to me. He said, well, look what they did to me. They hammered nails through my hands and feet. And while they were doing it, I was saying, Father, forgive them. They know not what you do. Have they hammered nails through your hands and feet yet? You see, Jesus lived his message. Are we there? I think we need to pray, don't you? Let's all stand, shall we? Hallelujah. Now, just close your eyes and focus on the Lord. I'm, I'm just going to read the first scripture because it's a prayer. So I pray that this God of hope who keeps us looking expectantly to the future will fill you with his joy and peace as you continue to live by faith in him. May the power of the Holy Spirit work in you in such a way that you will always overflow with hope, expecting God's best. And then that other scripture, yet I can still see myself only as a poor reflection in a mirror compared with what God intends me to be. But when I see him face to face, I shall be like him. So let's thank the Lord first that he has saved us, that we've come through the narrow gate and he's placed our feet on the narrow way. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all your mercy. Thank you for all your love that has made that possible. We praise your wonderful name. Now just thank him that he's on that way with you. Yes. That he's wanting you to walk with him on that way. He wants you to walk at one with him, that he is your hope. So he's saying, I want you to look. I want you to look to your eternal destiny. I want you to look at the end. Well, where, where I'm leading you, I'm leading you to that place where at the judgment you will not only have salvation, but you will have a great reward. I want you to persevere throughout your life so that you receive the crown of life. Can you hear the love of God for you saying, I want the best for you. I want you looking to the future, expecting the best because you're a person of hope. Yes, that's right. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, if you're, if you're in a bit of a cul-de-sac, whether it's a serious one or a minor one, just now make the decision, Lord, I'm, I'm coming out of this cul-de-sac. I'm coming back onto the narrow way. Jesus. If you realize that you haven't really been persevering in your faith or persevering in your love or persevering in prayer, but you've been giving up, you've been compromising, you've been you know, reducing the level of your discipleship and of your obedience to the Lord. And this is a shake-up call, isn't it? Wow. This is a trumpet call from God saying, hey, 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 you're down a cul-de-sac. I'm here on the narrow way. That's where you belong. Come back. Come back. Come back into my very best. Hallelujah. So just make that decision now. If you've been down that cul-de-sac of judgment, just thank God that he's been so merciful to you. He hasn't wiped you off the face of the earth in judgment. He's maintained his mercy. Hallelujah. And he's saying, come back, come back. Just be merciful as I am merciful. 
Come back right into the flow of my mercy. I don't want you to be down that cul-de-sac with your sins unforgiven. I want you to be on the highway of holiness. I want you to be on the narrow way where all your sins are forgiven because you have forgiven everybody who has grieved you. You're not living in resentment. You're not living in bitterness. You're not living in anger. You're not living in offense. You're not living in hatred. In fact, he says, love your enemies, pray for them. Don't yeah. pray against them, pray for them. Yeah. Pray for them. Pray for them. Wow. Hallelujah. Wow. Oh, Lord, you don't know what they've been doing to me. It doesn't matter what they've been doing to you. Pray for them. Forgive them. Hallelujah. Come back onto the narrow way. Because when you're on the narrow way, you look with love upon every situation. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Bless your holy name. I thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. You see, you can't love someone and judge them at the same time. That's right. So you've got to decide, well, am I going to love them or am I going to judge them? If I judge them, then I place myself back under judgment. And Jesus died to save me from judgment. I'm not going to be a silly clown and place myself back under judgment. Jesus says, if I don't forgive others, the Heavenly Father won't forgive me. Well, I don't want to walk another day in unforgiveness, so I choose to forgive everybody and anybody who has ever offended me, ever spoken against me, ever hurt me, whether it's years ago, whether it's in serious ways, whether it's something recent, whether it's in minor ways, whatever it is, and I want a heart of mercy, I want a heart of love, I want a heart of forgiveness, so that when these things happen in the future, I forgive immediately and I don't go down any cul-de-sac of judgment ever again. Yes, yes, yes. Praise you, Lord. Thank, Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Perhaps some of you have been down that cul-de-sac of, of selfishness. You've been so wrapped up in yourself. You haven't really been concerned about others, haven't been loving others, haven't been laying down your life for others. You've just wanted everything to revolve around you and what you want for yourself. And God says, that's a cul-de-sac. I'm not, I'm, I'm not with you in your selfishness. I want you to be with me in my love. So you can turn around right now. You can repent right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. I've, I've taken my eyes off you. I've taken my eyes off the ball. I've taken my eyes off what it's all about. And I put the focus back on me. And Lord, when I look at me, I see, well... There's so much about me that is not like you, but that doesn't mean I indulge myself. No, I deny myself. I take up my cross and I follow after you. That's right. That's right. Praise you, Jesus. Bless you, Lord. If you're down some other kind of cul-de-sac, I can't even attempt to name them all, but you will know. Just, just turn around this morning. Don't, don't delay it. Don't. Don't wait another day. Don't wait another hour even. Because God knows your heart. He reads your heart. At this moment in time, God in heaven is looking into the heart of every single person in this room. And he knows how you're responding to the word that he's brought to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Can you thank him now for his mercy? Thank him for his forgiveness. You know your, not only your salvation, but your health, your healing, everything is up here on the, on the narrow way. And sometimes God gets us out of a cul-de-sac before we really experience the healing, the freedom, the release of his power in our lives that we need. I believe God is releasing power in people's lives, not only now at this moment, but as a result of this message, as you respond in these coming days. Many of you are going to have encounters with God. Many of you, your prayer life is going to begin to come to life in a new way. Because suddenly you understand hope and that you're a person of hope. And you realize, I can't gainsay God. I can't fool around with God. I can't compromise with God. He wants his best for me. But his best for me can only be fulfilled by me walking with him, by me living at one with him. 
by being close to Him. So just lift your hands now and begin to praise Him. Just begin to thank Him. Oh, we bless you, Lord. We praise you, Jesus. You are just so good. Your mercies endure forever. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for the power of that blood. Thank you that when those nails were driven through your hands, you were praying for the forgiveness and the mercy to come upon those who were doing it to you. Yes. Yes. Difficult for us to understand such great love, such great mercy as that. But Lord, thank you that you reproduce that in us by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, that, that you are instructing the Holy Spirit every day in our lives so that as we listen to the voice of the Spirit declaring God's Word to us so we know that He is leading us step by step to the fulfillment of our hope. So we praise you, Lord. We bless you. Come on, let's really speak out our thanksgivings to God. We bless you, Lord. We praise you. Oh, what great patience, what great love, what great compassion you have shown to us, Lord. How merciful you are, how wonderful your love, how gracious you are, Lord, how patient. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And Lord, we thank you for just renewing. I believe you've been renewing our love for you in many, many, many lives here this morning. Hallelujah. There's going to be a fresh release of love for you in response to your great love for us. A fresh release of mercy towards others because of a fresh appreciation of your mercy towards us. A fresh graciousness towards others because we realize afresh the wonder of your grace towards us. And we praise you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord. We give you all the glory, all the honor. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Now, the great thing, you know, we haven't had time to cover all that I'd love to, to cover with you, but you're not on that way alone. This is what the body of Christ is all about, see? That we're walking together in love on that way. And when one is tempted to go down a cul-de-sac, the others can say, hey, 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 come on. That's no way. You'll be helping them, see? Not being critical, not being judgmental, say, is that really the way to go? And, and you know, Paul talks about our weakness, how weak we feel. Well, we all go through times like that, but you're surrounded by others who at that moment are strong. Yeah. And they'll help you in your weakness. Yeah. And then when you're strong and they're weak, you'll help them in their weakness. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And together, we'll all get to the throne. Amen. Right? Amen. And together... By the mercy and the grace of God, our works yeah. will survive Jesus. the fire. Yes, yes. And let me, let me just tell you, Jesus. those works are people. Yes. People that have been saved, people you have loved, people you have helped, people you have encouraged. Somehow, the life, the love, power of God has poured out of your heart like a river of living water and touched the lives of other people. It's all his work in us, isn't it? Can we just shout a great hallelujah? Hallelujah! Hallelujah! So, just turn to all those around you and say, we're walking on that narrow way together. Yes.